0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Blue Butterfly Effect Podcast. I am Millie Murillo. Of course I'm here today as always with Ashley. How are you doing today, Ashley?
1: I'm good. I'm excited about this topic. Women in relationships, which you haven't announced yet, but I just did. <laughs>
0: No. Yeah. Women in relationships. I think this is an interesting topic for a lot of women. I think that my relationship with women has been through a lot and and it's for a huge part of my life has been trauma informed. And I wonder how much this will resonate with all of you who are listening.
1: Yeah. I think it's a good one. My relationships with women have also been trauma informed and I think we can't be the only ones. And just hearing a little bit about your experience before we started was so comforting to me and grounding for me.
0: Yeah. So this is a topic that I've, it's been mulling in my head pretty much the whole summer. And it's something that we definitely wanted to talk about this season. And one of the things that really inspired this is that currently Ashley and I are collaborating with two other incredibly just intelligent, kind women who have been on their own journey. And we're collaborating to put this beautiful retreat together next summer in Costa Rica. Mm. And so one of the things that, at least for me, has come up, when this was brought to our attention, my initial reaction was, I'm not good enough. These women are so much more educated than me. They know a lot more than me. That inferiority complex, all of the, that negative self-talk, imposter syndrome, all of the things, right? And so I noticed in that moment, I realized in that moment that all I have to do is show up as myself and that if for some reason there was something in this space that didn't make me feel safe that I could always just question it or retract or completely say I don't feel comfortable with this. And so in the past, I don't know that I would have even given it a shot because my experience with groups of women in the past hasn't always been kind. It has been in some instances it has been rather vicious and heartbreaking. And so my, I don't know, my change, my transformation in my relationship with women, I feel has come a lot with the level of comfort I have with myself and in who I am and in what I have to bring to the world and the realization that I don't have to compare what I do to someone else. And this comes has come with a lot of work. This has come with a lot of introspection, but just remembering me, coming back to me, what do I have to offer in this case, in this collaboration, what is my expertise How can I deliver it in the best way possible and mind my lane, if you will, while still collaborating? And that helps Mm -hmm. me. That helps me ground. That helps me ease into a group because naturally it takes me some time to to really feel comfortable within a group. It takes me a a few meetings, a few sessions, a few conversations, and then I can just open up and be myself i've I've come to realize that's definitely a coping mechanism, but that's just the way that it feels safest to me mm-hmm. and I think that in the past, I ignored that for the sake of feeling like i I wanted to fit in and and not really being discerning about who I was trying to quote unquote fit in with. So mm-hmm. I mean, I'll start with that. I don't it comes up for you, Ashley. What has been your experience?
1: Well, saying yes to this is a huge deal for me because I would have said no. I remember. Even maybe two years ago, a friend of mine here, a woman I'm no longer friends with because I was replaying an old type of relationship with that friend. But she said, you know, there's a women's dinner for all the surfers here. Do you want to come? And I was like, hell no, I don't want to come to a women's <laughs> dinner. I have no desire to sit with a bunch of women at a women's dinner. And she just couldn't understand. She couldn't understand. And and because of my past, my history with women, the women in my life weren't safe, I didn't have a safe relationship with my mother, my one of my grandmothers, my aunt. These were women who struggled with mental illness, struggled with some narcissistic tendencies, selfish, abusive in different ways. So for me, women, no, I don't. I didn't want a part of it. But um, when I was in school, when I was in Helix, the psycho spiritual counseling program, my therapist was recently telling me, she said I spent that four years just silent said I didn't say a word unless I was in a practice exercise. And I thought about that, just that group dynamic that was men and women, but speaking and being seen and participating did not feel safe on any level. And what was interesting is it drove the people with some of those, let's just say more egotistical tendencies, crazy that I wouldn't respond, you know? But it was like my only safety was silence. And that's how I was safe with my mother. My silence was my power. Don't say anything, don't exist basically, and you're safe. So having gone along the road and to say yes to this feels like such a big deal. But one of the things I promised myself is I was not going to play out any old scenarios in this group. I was not going to show up with any perceived ideas of how it was going to go, how I was going to be treated. I was just like, this is new for me. So I'm very excited about that.
0: That is something to be incredibly excited about, because to have that level of awareness and to be able to distinguish, oh, this is what's rising up within me. And I'm, I'm going to choose for the story to unfold differently yeah. while still acknowledging what's coming up for me. That's really powerful, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it feels like you really are holding these things all at once, every single step of the way. I mean, I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth, but at least that's what it feels like to me.
1: Oh, no. And that's the part I didn't speak about. I mean, the summer I thought about it like you, we probably should have been talking about how we were thinking about it. Um, But yes, it's holding the past, my experience of the past and a new version of myself and these people separately from anybody else that I've interacted with. Yeah. It's holding, it's like juggling a bunch of different plates or balls and trying to make sure they don't crash together.
0: Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, some of some of the history, the experience in in the past. I think similar to you, I think a lot of it did have to do with with my relationship with my mom that at one point was very tumultuous. And the thing is, is that our relationship was rather tumultuous in private. Outside of that, everyone really thought we were like this amazing mother-daughter duo. And I think that What lent itself to that perception is that probably various things. I mean, I think underneath it all, we we genuinely have always loved one Mm -hmm. another, even at the times where we have felt like we hated each other. But I don't think that either one of us really knew how to deal with or express anger or rage that we may have felt towards one another so that informed me in especially other relationships with women that if i felt uncomfortable or faulted or i don't know upset or angry in any way that i didn't speak about it <laughs> i didn't address it mm. you know and that creates this this underlying energy and essence of that's where cattiness starts. That's where mm-hmm. a lot of you know passive-aggressive behavior mm-hmm. and and comments really come from. That and like resentment. Oh yeah, yeah, resentment. And I would notice. I would notice that that's how it began to feel with with other women. I, I throughout my childhood and, and my adult life don't. I've never really been the person that has a lot of friends it's a very selective few. And I think that that has a lot, especially women. And I do notice that the women that I just click with, it's, it's very, it's very special. It's very like, one of a kind kind of thing. And I just feel safe in that space, safe to be myself. And so it's that's a lot of what I like to call murky water to swim through. It always felt unsafe, scary, convoluted, and just I haven't known how to navigate it in the past. And, you know, I think that also had to do with a lot of really mean bullying in middle school. That was horrible. It was like a horrible three years. And then moving into high school, I remember feeling like I just don't want to make friends. Like it just felt safer to be alone. And I had Mm -hmm. a few friends, but again, it was just maybe like the one friend or one other friend, but never the group of friends. And I think what helped was being involved in, in extracurricular activities where there was a group. So I wasn't necessarily close to too many people. I wasn't close to the entire team, for instance, but there was a sense of I'm socializing but with a mm-hmm. distance, right? Mm-hmm. I I have so much respect and admiration for people who have had friendships, lifelong friendships. Yeah. That's that's so different to me. I mean, I see my partner, he's known most of his friends since T-ball. Wow. <laughs> since since wow. what is that like? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't have that. I, I mean, I have a friend from high school and she and I are still in touch, but she's the one friend from high school and then mm-hmm. another friend who have, we've been friends for maybe about twelve years. But when I see people who have known, especially women who have had the same friends since they were like toddlers, I'm like, what is that? How does how does that even happen?
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. As you were talking, <laughs> I was thinking about you know, you were just describing the relationship with your mother and how you dealt with conflict. And recently, my closest friend here, Caroline, I'd always been scared that one day I would do something and she would just be mad at me. Like my fantasy was that she would blow up and everything would be over. No part of my story was she could tell me mindfully I heard her feelings and it would be okay. And I'm realizing that now. And it was a couple of months ago she said to me, oh, hey, could you not do this? And I said, you're right. I'm so sorry. I really misstepped there. And it was it. It was over. And I don't think I've even integrated the fact that we went through that yeah. because I was still waiting for the kind of gripping to, I'm going to fuck it up and she's going to blow up at me someday, which is not even her nature. So I was really aware of like how I've carried that fantasy into my adulthood, into my relationships. But I was also thinking about my childhood relationships and my relationship with my mother. Everyone was in competition with her. So you know I had to become very passive, of, as I've said before. Because, you know, if you were happy, that was threatening. If you were comfortable in your body, that was threatening. So I learned to be really passive and I carried that passivity into elementary school. I remember the competition started with this girl. She would bring Jolly Ranchers and make bracelets for all the boys and they just loved her. And I felt like, oh, I have to bring Jolly Ranchers and compete with her. Nobody will like me, you know, and then, and then noticing that my best friends throughout time that are no longer my best friends, were all playing out some sort of dynamic with my mother, not Caroline, the one Mm now. But if I was passive and they were dominant, they were the more extroverted, comfortable in their body, very popular, lots of attention. And I played their passive sidekick. Now, if I had any feelings or I was tired of that role, then it was done. And I I had to play that part. And as long as I played that part, it was good. But once I stopped out of that part and started thinking for myself and not needing it as much, I was they found new friends very quickly or, you know, it it blew up. And what I recognize is I've played two roles. One is the passive sidekick or the savior. And I'm so over Mm -hmm. those two roles with women. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy the two relationships that I've formed here and that they've been natural progression over time where I don't have to play those roles. And it's really nice.
0: That's such a powerful thing to acknowledge. And this is a true testament to being that Libra rising, because I, we're both Libra risings. And I've definitely been the psychic, for sure. Hmm. Sure, wherever you want, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to go. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and I used to, used to like loving being described as, oh, you're just so, you're so mellow. <laughs> you know, you just go with the flow. Pleasing. <laughs> yeah you know and i remember thinking to myself like yeah i'm the mellow one <laughs> not realizing what the hell that really meant and when i realized what i was doing i was like why did i do that mm-hmm. you know just it was why, do, it why did you do
1: it when you look back
0: when i look back i i really wanted to have friends
1: mm-hmm.
0: because i've always known how difficult that has been for me i do really <laughs> and i don't know if this is my trauma a coping mechanism but i do really well alone i like solitude and to me working from home and doing what i love and just hanging out with my dog all day every day is like this is this is the dream this is my dream <laughs> but but i also realize the importance of connection and i realize that one of the things that has been again difficult for me has been connection and connection to women and so I did it because I just wanted to have that. And look, I also did, I don't want to say it was terrible because I did learn a lot about making friends. In that space, a, a lot of me also came out. So I may have been the, the sidekick, the, the quiet one, the, the go with the flow one. But once people got to know me, they really got to know me. And that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was never me taking right. the lead. At that point, especially throughout my 20s, that was the best way I knew to create any kind of connection. Mm, Right. Because I just didn't know how.
1: Can we also talk about what it was like, we were laughing before for both of us, not having these really, you know, intimate relationships with our mothers, not this like really soft, warm place to land, not that, you know, like hugs. And I don't know what it was like for you, but I didn't want my mother to touch me. So I didn't grow up with this, like ease of being a woman, comfort interacting with a woman. And we were talking about being in locker rooms as, you know, (laughs) I played sports and being in a locker room and how I would watch women walk around just naked and they were so comfortable in their bodies. Like it wasn't even a thing. And and it was terrifying to me. You know, and sadly because part of what, you know, this the the trauma is around being picked apart physically. So I believed I would, there was something wrong with me. So I would hide in the bathroom. I wouldn't shower after basketball practice. I would shh, soft and dry deodorant all over me and all over my clothes and go through the day because the thought of being seen undressed in any way was, was really scary. And I envied the freedom these women felt of mm-hmm. just walking through the locker room and talking to each other, having conversations with each other with no clothes on. <laughs> it just horrified me. It's my worst. <laughs> yes. I can
0: I can definitely attest to that. I mean, I don't know, when I think throughout my teenage years and into my early 20s when when my relationship with my mom was the hardest. There was less affection. Mm. Felt like there was a lot less affection and I realized how that hardened me and mm. that hardened her too. It, it, and mind you, my mother never had good relationships with women. My mother rarely even had friends. So that was, that was kind of a rhetoric in, in our household. We can't trust people. And that came with so much. So I definitely internalized a lot of that. But when it has come to be like really affectionate with with the women that I relate to with my friends no I mean yeah do we hug each other have we hugged each other you know on special occasions like yeah but I'm not the friend who if I meet you for lunch I'm gonna like greet you with a kiss you know I'm not I'm not the friend who we're just gonna be like naked in a sauna together like I'm not that, oh I'm not that friend not. <laughs> Right. I like, have uh. always admired that, especially yeah, especially in the locker room. I I noticed it in the gym. Women would just walk around naked, and I would think to myself, "What does it take? What does it take mm-hmm. to feel that way inside of you, where you're just that free?" Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had this is interesting because I have had conversations when at the gym locker room where they are completely naked, and I'm just here in my towel or a robe and I'm just not even making eye contact because it's like, (laughs) just how are they, you know, we're talking and in my head, I'm like, how are they just having a full blown conversation? And it's just like boobs out, everything out. And I just, I admire it. And at the same time, it's like, that says something about the comfort with that much
1: intimacy. Yeah. And body shame versus no body shame. Like, you know, I know where my body shame came from. You know, I think, I think of the women, I have a friend who her mom stood her in front of the mirror every day of her life. And she said, you look in that mirror and know you are beautiful. You know that you are amazing. amazing. And she embodies that. Yeah.
0: So you were, you were sharing about you know where where the sense of body shame came from for me i've definitely gone through my phases of i'm fat mm. that that awful just even saying it now it feels like what does that even mean mm. i mean when i was a little girl i was i was overweight absolutely so that had a lot to do with things and it was noticed and so but as i got older i was always very active i was pretty athletic so it wasn't necessarily that i that i was ashamed of my body i guess it was more so especially as i started getting older like high school into into my 20s i don't know people took notice of my body both men and women and it made me uncomfortable it made me mm-hmm. really uncomfortable because most men took notice you know in a very sexual way and i noticed that women especially women who were older than me at the time took notice in a, in a jealous mm-hmm. way. It was like this constant back and forth with, I don't want to hide who I am, but there was always that discomfort. Like people are looking and they're judging me. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, What I just wanted was just to be accepted for who I was. And what did my body have anything to do with that? And when it came to to the locker room scenario, for instance, I don't know. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was just the being seen. One of the things that has come up, women who take full dancing classes. Mm. Amazing.
1: Amazing. 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 Can't do it.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like, I can't. I can't do right. that. And something inside of me wants to so badly, just to experience that freedom, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's not, for me, it's never been about like, I hate the way my body looks. It, at some point, I'm sure it has been, but it hasn't really been the theme. I think it's more about being judged.
1: That's so interesting because I think, I mean, our culture is so harsh on women. I think it has expectations of men too. But I've noticed when I've gone to Costa Rica or Mexico, You know, Central America and Mexico, in particular, the the way bodies are held has felt so differently to me. I have felt so free. Like I can, I noticed the first day in a swimsuit walking along the beach. I'm, you know, still a little just growing up in a time where there was very perfectionistic expectations. I, you know, I grew up in a culture, familial culture, where perfection was expected. And then when I go to these places, I come home feeling so like free and embodied. Like, it doesn't matter what I wear. Yeah. And I also notice the way people are looked at in those different places is different than they are here. It feels different to me. It feels like there's an expectation that women can be free and they're actually encouraged to be free and sensual and sexy, where, you know, sexy here to me feels like, you know, you borderline on being sexy and threatening or slutty. You yeah. know, you're asking for negative attention or you're threatening to yeah. other women. I remember talking to some clients before and You know, when they would talk about getting dressed to go out to bars, not only were they looking for men to see them, but they were also looking to be the prettiest girl in the bar because that was the only way that the men would notice them. So the bar they were setting for themselves was so high. You had to be the prettiest girl in the bar. Or the guy you were with was going to look the other way. And I just thought, oh, my oh god. god, this is awful.
0: That's interesting that you bring that up because that's such a good point. It's, it's, it can be very cultural too, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Because when I lived in Costa Rica, I do remember thinking the freedom in which these women just, you know, flaunt their bodies. And I, and I use that word in, in, in the most respectful way, like they just, that's this is who we are, right? Yeah. And actually, it took me some time when I when I lived there to step into that. And I remember that the, the guy I was dating at the time, I remember feeling self-conscious. And he's like, why do you feel so self-conscious? He's like, you're luscious. And I remember him wow. using that word. And I thought, I would never describe myself as luscious, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But that... That actually helped me, and it helped me come out of my shell a little bit. I was you know i I think that is the time where I did feel the most comfortable in my body, and I think that that actually started something uh started something for me mm-hmm. um, after that time with my body. i I got much more comfortable with it, but I like how you I, I like I want to use what you said to segue. You have to be the prettiest. You have to be the best. You have to be the one. And and if it's okay, I want I want to segue yeah. into how this is played out in the workplace. I've had many experiences with that. It just and again in our society, right? That you have to stand out. You have to stand out above everyone else, rather than just being yourself. Mm-hmm. But especially when I was young in my early twenties, when I think back on it, the way that the women in the office environments that I worked in—they had to be the prettiest, they had to be the best dressed, they had to be the most talented, they had to stand out—and all re- we were really doing was catering to a really unhealthy masculine culture mm-hmm. that got a kick out of women being competitive with one another and pinning women against one another and yeah. and women really buying into that. Yeah. And again, as I got older, I was able to to observe it and say, I'm not going to be a part of that. But when I was very young, because you know, you don't know what you don't know, just kind of feeling lost in that. And something inside of me saying, Well, why do we why do I why does anybody have to be better than anybody?
1: <laughs> right.
0: But not really knowing how to create boundaries around that and and how to even begin to make sense out of it it was just kind of part of those cultures and it was Ugh, i think about it now and it's a little disgusting
1: well it is disgusting and i think there's safety in being the most perfect person in a room you can't be touched you can't be shamed you no one's you're you you're kind of you get off easy in the sense that you're not going to be ripped apart if you're the most perfect, you know, it like, it makes you want to get to the top. So you're not seen as like unworthy or not valuable. I remember when I worked in a bar, a new waitress or bartender would come in and you could feel like, what is it going to be like? And I remember even feeling it with myself, you know, what does it mean if the prettiest girl walks in or, you know, or lots of models and actresses worked for the bar and you could feel this like I could feel this tension in my body and what would it mean? Like uh, not about the attention that she would get as much as like my value as a person would go down. I, people would want to be friends with me less. not that I was ever the prettiest girl in the bar or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but it's just that cycle of new people and getting used to and adjusting your ego, having to adjust to what does this mean about my value in this place? And so if you are the highest or the most perfect, then you kind of, you you get to skim off the top I guess for a while until someone new comes along and it's terrible to do that to women. I spend a lot of time at the beach and you know men are wearing whatever they want and all right. all sorts of shapes and sizes and you just see this freedom to just be, you know? The, you don't I don't think it's all men and I don't want to be that way, but there's definitely a difference and then you see people going I can't believe she would wear that. And no one, you don't really hear I can't believe he would wear that. Mm-hmm. It's it's really heartbreaking because we have an opportunity to really bond and unite through this, but we've been just so divided and pitted against each other.
0: I think a huge part of the collective healing, the more that I see it, is that it's is creating a, um, a healthier connection amongst women. Yeah. Coming from my own experience, it's, it's not fun. It, it's... I often think in those situations where there was cattiness and there was, and it was nasty and and the talking about each other and and the comparison, all of that, that's, I'm like, dude, I've thought to myself, these other women felt badly when they think back on these things or, you know, I know that I have, it's, it's, it was never, I never felt good being in it. Mm -hmm. And then as I've done this work for the last several years and I think back on it, i I think to myself, "My God, how this system takes advantage, even exploits our disconnection with ourselves." Mm -hmm. Because now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's no way, there's no way that I'm that I would fall into that. Because I I have a different experience of the world, I have a different experience of myself, but I still observe it in others. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. There's the gym that I used to go to. There was this beautiful girl, very young. She was, she was a model. She was the sweetest thing. And we had, you know, we had just lovely conversations. She was trying to figure out her life. And I would notice older women, women older than me, just being mean, just being mean to her simply because she's just beautiful. She's a Mm. beautiful girl. And I think to myself, what is it? What is that? What is that that just stays in there for so long? When we're older, we know what it's like to be 20, 21, 22 and have a sense of just feeling lost and wondering why the world is so fucked up to us and having just just not knowing what to do with that. But then as we get older, whether we're intentional with our lives or not, whether we do internal work or not, I think we understand like, yeah, life can be hard. And then we still do that to other people that have no idea. Mm -hmm. And I would just observe it. And I remember calling two women out when they said some snarky things to her. And what was interesting is that they would not pull that shit with me because we were around the same age. Mm -hmm. So you know exactly what you're doing. And that's that's heartbreaking, not just for this girl who's just existing and trying to figure out life on her own. But it's also heartbreaking for these women to carry that and think that it's okay.
1: Yeah, to feed off that negative excitement or feed off making someone uncomfortable. And I think we as women have such a responsibility to check in with our egos, check in with the stories that we've been taught about ourselves, about each other. I went to a wedding recently with a bunch of those women that I used to bartend and waitress with. And it was so amazing to see. And then there were women of, who were much younger than me, you know, of all ages. And it was just amazing to be there and be, you know, whatever I carried in my 20s and 30s was not present. And that was so freeing. All I wanted was to be the best version of me and connect to people. It didn't have to do with being the prettiest or not the prettiest or the oldest or not the oldest person in the room. Mm-hmm. I saw younger women that were beautiful. It didn't even bother me. It didn't mean anything about me. And that was really freeing. And I think part of it is I've personally, I've done a lot of work around my own ego and around my own relation. And it's really about doing our relationship to ourselves. Because when I look back on worrying about The next bartender that was coming in, if she was going to be an actress or model and whether I would have any value after they started working there, that's about me feeling like I wasn't valuable. That has nothing to do with that person. And truly, it has nothing to do with anyone else or what the men or women in the room. It's really about me getting right with my relationship to myself and what I believe about what I'm worth, regardless of what I look like or what I wear, or what size I am. And to have so much more within me than that feels so good. I remember standing outside at the wedding, just feeling like, I am so glad all the work I have done over this past 20 plus years, I kept touching into my soul and my heart. And it just felt like I was not lonely one bit because I knew who I was. And that was really incredible. And, you know, one of the things I often see in women is this quick attachment or this false intimacy, I think, that sometimes uh, we create for different reasons. And one of the things I've really appreciated about our relationship, and Millie and I have never met. We've known each other for a couple of years now and talked online. I'm like 13 years older than you, I think. Oh, God, that sounds so crazy. I think of myself <laughs> as 35. Anyway. How funny. I never thought about that. Yeah. I'm 48. You're 35, right?
0: Yeah. How Isn't fun? that weird? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I never really I, thought about that. The only time I ever thought about it was when you turned 35 and I was like, oh my God, I was like, I'm 40. But most of the time I just feel like it, age doesn't even matter. Right. But what I think is fascinating and you and I've talked about is the evolution of our relationship, which a lot of the listeners have been a part of, right. but really like moving at our own pace, developing a level of, I don't know if intimacy is the right word or friendship or connection That has been very natural and comfortable, not forced because we were doing this podcast together, not forced because we were trying to put on a show. But I think it's been kind of cool to let it evolve and to be a different version of myself in this relationship feels really good.
0: I agree. And I think that, um, again, I don't want to speak for you, but, and let me know if this is completely off, but I think that the fact that there is somewhat of a distance I think for our nervous systems and our, our history as individuals and what we've been through creating a relationship with physical distance has felt so safe to me. Yeah. that, And I think that that's what has allowed this relationship to just flow so naturally. Mm-hmm. And, and I trust that in time more intimacy will be built and, 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 but it's, it's unfolding on its own, but, because of my own trauma, my own nervous system, too close, too soon, especially now, it just mm-hmm. shocks me. And I'm like, I can't. I go into freeze response. I go into freeze response. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. I used to respond to that differently. I used to respond to that freeze response differently. So I remember that, especially again, in my 20s, I used to you know, go out more. I used to drink more. So alcohol was you know, perfect. All of those inhibitions, that freeze didn't come on. It was just like, yeah, we're, you know, we're our friends and we're besties and all the thing. But no, that wasn't true. And then that's, that's not, that's not what I do anymore. So I'm very aware of that freeze response that initially comes on when someone tries to get too close and it's not anything about them. I know what I, what I work with. I know what I have inside me. And so this to me just feels like, (laughs) can I just make friends online and then just meet you in person down
1: the line <laughs> in Costa Rica it'll be a shock <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no but yeah. I think that's so good it's important moving at your own pace because I know you have you know some people can put I probably if we lived in the same place would have been like oh we're podcast partners I should probably initiate we should probably go have coffee together or you know even if I wasn't uncomfortable and I love that this has been really natural for two introverts who have trauma in relationships with women And, you know, when you're talking about drinking, I think, you know, I remember having been in relationship with people who drank and you feel like you're starting over with the intimacy over and over again, because the intimacy with drinking isn't real. It's, you know, it's enabled intimacy with a chemical. So, you know, coming back to this relationship has been so natural. We don't party together. We have these beautiful conversations, these spirit conversations. And then going back to the women's retreat, you know, to everything has been in such a sacred space in these conversations that haven't been fueled by this pressure to meet up or to be besties quickly. It feels really natural to me. Mm -hmm. And then when we were sitting in this conversation, just bringing it back to what we were talking about, something I was really proud of is coming back to this conversation and allowing myself to be me. I didn't need to be anybody else. I didn't need to please anyone. Mm -hmm. And really for the first time seeing, I was invited to be a part of this because I am me. You three women don't expect me to be anyone else. You don't need me to put on a show or talk more or be extroverted. And that's so freeing. Mm -hmm. And it just feels more authentic.
0: I think that that's what I learned from each and every one of you. Each and every one of you show up to our you know, to our group meetings as yourselves. Mm-hmm. And I I feel the same way. I can show up and this is, this is my area of expertise. This is what I know about. And this is what I'm going to talk about. And this mm-hmm. is what I have to share. And it's just the freedom to be that. And mm-hmm. it's really beautiful. And I think that we're collaborating with two women who have also done their own work to be very okay with who they are. And that's mm-hmm. inspiring. So that is, inspiring. And I think that this is what we need more of, that when women yeah. show up as themselves, regardless of what that looks like, can we appreciate it, even if even if it rubs us the wrong way, mm-hmm. right? I remember, quick example, also I was with a group of women and one of the women, I, I had thought, when I first met her, I'm like, she's a Virgo, she's a Virgo for sure. So just the way that she just pointed things out, she could come off as as very critical. But I thought, that's just the way she sees the world. She's literally just narrating how she sees the world. And I could see how that rubs certain people the wrong way. Going back to the women that we're working with on this retreat, they are very outspoken about who they are. Mm -hmm. And what they like and what they don't like and, and unapologetic and that, yeah i love absolutely. it Absolutely. yeah mm-hmm. and so can we be more curious can we appreciate it and look i i have not always been in this space my if there was something that rubbed me wrong about a woman i would just stay the hell away like i don't mm-hmm. it's not like i would confront nope it's just i don't want anything to do with you and of course we have the ability to still say that especially if we feel that you know, certain values don't align, or it's like leading into something that just doesn't feel comfortable to us. But when someone just shows up as who they are, if they're the life of the party, if they are, you know, the philosophical one, if they are whatever you want to label people, can we can we look at them as having something as them having something to teach us? Because I think that that's what it is.
1: Yeah, there's no competition when we allow for everyone just like It just becomes such a richer collective. Everyone has something to offer. And doesn't the same get boring? Don't we want to be the individual expressions of ourselves? That's so exciting to me. Now I appreciate it because I've learned to appreciate myself.
0: So does that feel complete for you?
1: Totally complete
0: because this dog started barking and I now <laughs> can't stop hearing it as I talk
1: <laughs> totally good we can wrap this up
0: I think that would really help me see this again as astrology because when you look at the zodiac when you look at the zodiac wheel it's a whole made up of 12 different energies mm-hmm. and we all have those 12 different energies and we all express those 12 different energies in different ways. And some people express some of those energies in a much more obvious way. And so when I express my Capricorn to me in a very obvious way, I'm I'm an introvert, I like I'm by myself, and I don't feel shame around that. But I can but I also have a lot of fire energy, I have an air rising, so yeah, I can socialize, but I really have to feel like it, and I no longer feel the need to fit in when I don't freaking feel like it (laughs) I don't care I don't care anymore you know and if all I want to talk about is you know the trees and astrology then that's what I'm going to talk about and if you don't like it well then we don't have to have a conversation and that's okay
1: (laughs) absolutely you know absolutely yeah I feel the same
0: yeah. So, thank you all so much for uh tuning in, listening in. We hope that this is helpful. And we we still want to be able to answer questions for you all. If you want to send them in, please feel free. I believe we have one or two and I don't know maybe we can create an episode around answering certain questions but bring them in what do you want to learn about feel that we can give you some insight or you want to know our takes on something that sounds we're, great. we're open yeah yeah well thank you so much
1: thank you millie it was good to talk to you you too bye, bye.